0: Okay, So we um, are continuing our sermon series, going through the Sermon on the Mount called Kingdom Minded. A couple weeks ago when we uh, were looking at this, we were looking at how to pray. We're looking at how to pray. And so tonight, um, we're going to be looking at now is the Lord's Prayer itself. So Jesus was talking about, okay, here's what you are not to do when you pray. And now he's going into, okay, this is what you are to do when you pray. So if you understand this, you're to pray like this. Uh, but before we get into that, I just I have a question, so I need a little bit of feedback from y'all. Just by show of hands, who in here has a hobby? So, like, it could be sports, um, it could be art, it could be anything musical, it could be woodworking, it could be whatever the case is. Okay. Um, all right. How many would say it is sports? Sports is like your thing. Okay. So, Josh, what what particular sport do you love the most? Uh, soccer. Okay. Actually, <laughs> okay. So, who would you say is is the greatest at basketball? Like that? What in your opinion? When I say who is the best when it comes to basketball, what would be? What would you say? Michael Jordan. Okay, Michael Jordan, Preston. You had your hand raised. I'm trying to think. It's between fishing or baseball. Okay. Let's say baseball. Who would you say is the greatest when it comes to baseball? In your eyes. Okay, how many of us has, has a different hobby? Let's say like arts, like artistics, music, things of that nature. Okay, who would you say is like the best at like what you love to do, Sarah? Mm. Okay. I truly don't know. Okay. Everybody does like something different and there's like a guy who does something. All right, it's okay, Madison. Madison, what's yours? Okay. But I'm going to have to go with um. his name. I forgot his name. Mm-hmm. Well, Bob Ross is pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> What's his name? Leonardo. Here, what do you think about it? Gracie, Gracie, what is your hobby that you love the most? Okay. All right, guys. All right, guys, guys. Who would, in your mind, who would you say is the best when it comes to softball? Okay. 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 What's up? Okay. Okay. Never heard of them? Did know there was pro all-stars in, in fishing? Acting, but mostly musical theater because it's singing and acting. Okay. Who would you say is, in your mind, the best when it comes to that? Dolly Parton. Okay. All right. Now, let me ask you all this. I need everybody's attention back up here. Let me ask you all this. Let's say for those that said basketball, imagine you had Michael Jordan come to you and said, I want to teach you how to play basketball. I want to help you improve on playing basketball. How would you feel about that? Okay. All right. Let's say when it came to baseball, you had Jackie Robinson approach you and say, I want to help teach you how to better play baseball. How would you respond? Uh, I, I would most rather Jacob Wheeler. Okay. Let's say Jacob Wheeler came to you about fishing. He's like, I want to teach you how to better fish. How would you respond? Okay, for those of you, like for those who have like a talent, a hobby. Let's say whoever was the cream of the crop, the top, the best person that was available said, "I want to personally teach you how to get better at whatever this talent was." How would you feel about that? I think most people would be ecstatic, wouldn't they? I think most people would just would soak up every single minute. Like they would jot every single detail. They would, they would watch everything that he's doing, he or she is doing. They would listen to everything he or she said and would probably even mimic or imitate a lot of what they do, wouldn't they? Well, on an even greater scale, think about this. If we get a little backstory to what we're doing is that Jesus is teaching his disciples, and so here we have literally the God of the entire universe standing in front of these disciples saying, I'm going to teach you how to pray to God better. Like, you have the creator of everything standing before them saying, I'm going to teach you how to better pray. I think if we had that happen, a lot of us, our ears would perk up and say, okay, how do we do this better? How, how do we truly pray? And that is what Jesus is going to do in this passage. He's going to give us what a lot of people call the Lord's Prayer that we have seen. And so that's what he's going to do is teach him, hey, this is how you are to pray. And we're going to get key principles out of this. But the main point I want us to get out of this passage is this, is to be kingdom-minded is to pray in order to conform more into the image of Christ, To be kingdom-minded is to pray in order to conform more into the image of Christ, because here is the truth of it all. Here's the reality of it. We are fallen, sinful human beings. Our natural desire, our natural tendency, we are prone to want to place ourselves first in our lives. Instead, we want to conform other things into our image rather than conform our image into what God is calling us to do is that our natural desires, we want to be first. We want to be on the throne of our lives. We want to be in the driver's seat. We want to be in control. But as we're going to see is that when we pray, it shows a total reliance upon God. And we're going to see that that through this prayer, through this Lord's Prayer, we're going to get three truths of how we are to live this out, but also to show that that we need to conform into the image of God. That if we are a follower of Christ, if we proclaim to be a follower of Christ, then we need to daily conform ourselves into the image of God that He has called us to be. And so that's what we're going to look at tonight. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 6, uh, looking at verses 9 through 15. So if you have your copy of God's word, are going to be there. If you have your notes, it's going to be on the back side of the notes for you to follow along and take notes with this as well. So let's look at this together. Okay, here's Matthew 6 verses 9 through 15. This is the word of the Lord. Pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Let's pray. Uh, dear Heavenly Father, as, as we come before you, um, as, as we just look at your word that, that you authored, I'll be honest, th- that there is nothing in myself that, that can do anything to properly preach this outside of the power of your Holy Spirit. Um, so Holy Spirit, w- would you just would you just work in and through me and in and through these students would you just remove any sort of just pride in and of ourselves? Would you allow us just to fully surrender this time over to you and that you will be glorified and honored in it? I pray, Lord Jesus, would you just free us up from any distractions over these next several minutes, whether it be something weighing heavy on our hearts, whether it be our neighbors, whether it be our phones, whatever the case is, would you just free us up of those distractions and focus of what you have to teach us tonight through your word? Holy Spirit, would you just open up our eyes to see more of our need for Christ? Would you open up our ears to hear the the truth of all of this? Would you open up our hearts to receive this truth and, and that it would bear fruit out of that, that would ultimately glorify and honor Christ? Would you help it bear fruit as we continue to make Christ's name known as you've called us to be? Would you be glorified and honored as only you can through this time, through the preaching of your word? That would be glorifying and honoring to all of us and help us grow closer to you, become the family of God you've called us to be. We pray all of this in Jesus' holy, precious name. Amen. So, like I said, there's three truths that we are to get out of this passage if we are to live out this truth. And the first one is this. We are to place God first in everything. We are to place God first in everything. So, again, let's look at what these two verses say in verses 9 and 10. Okay, it says, Pray then, like this, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be, Your name, Your kingdom come, Your will be done. So again, as a backstory, Jesus got done teaching these disciples, okay, here's how you are not to pray. You're not to be like those, those hypocrites that go in front of the synagogue, that stand on the street corner so everybody can see them and all eyes are on them. The, the, their only reward is just to get the praise of man. He's saying, no, don't be like that. He's saying, don't be like the Gentiles who just throw up this nice, lofty, fancy language so that they sound all eloquent and great. He's like, no, go into your private room, go in private and pray to your Father in private who sees you in private and rewards you in private how it's not about like all the words we say, but it's about our heart's posture before God. And that, that is what we're to look at. So he's saying, okay, if we have grasped that, if we're to grasp this is not how we are to pray, that we are to go before God in, in secret, then he's saying, okay, if we get this, and this is how we are to ultimately pray. Pray then like this. And the first thing we see is that we are to place God first in everything. So let's go through this just little bit by little bit. So the first part, pray like this. Our Father in the Heaven. So Jesus first starts by acknowledging God first, saying, our Father in heaven. But let's not breeze by that. He's saying, look at how he's acknowledging God. He's saying, our Father in heaven. He's not saying, Lord. He's not saying, God. He's saying, hey, our Father in heaven. Saying, if anyone is in Christ, then God is our heavenly Father. God is our heavenly Father. And so we see from the very beginning, because God is our heavenly Father, God cares about us think about that for a sec. The creator of the universe, the creator of everything that we see around us cares about you, he cares about every detail of your life. No matter how silly or simple or small you think it is, God cares about that. In fact, it even says in 1 Peter 5, 7, it says, cast all of your cares, all of your anxieties onto him, onto the Lord. Why? Because he cares about you. He cares about you, all right? So he says, our Father, what? Our Father in heaven. So we see, our Father in heaven, so that's distinguishing him from the rest of creation. We're seeing that God is all-powerful, all-knowing, transcendent. He is above everything. He is the creator of everything. He is sovereign over everything. Yet at the same time, this God that seems so lofty and so high and so mighty and so all-powerful and all-knowing, he cares about us, his creation. He cares about every detail of our life, and He wants to be involved in every detail of our life because He wants to be placed first in everything in our lives. In fact, this begs the question, do you see God in this way? Do you see God as this heavenly Father that cares deeply about you? Or do you think God is just kind of some high, way out the way, just kind of some high, mighty power in the sky, or some genie that I prayed to to help grant some wishes? or just Yeah, I know He kind of cares about me, but He seems far off. How do you view God? Do you view him as your heavenly father? Because if we want to talk about how God truly cares, think about in the context of this passage. Again, Jesus is standing before these disciples. It is really God in the flesh standing before them. You know, we go to Christmas, we say, Jesus is named Emmanuel, God with us. God God was not just with the disciples then. He is with us even now, today, and pursues us today that Jesus is standing before them, that Jesus came, lived a perfect sinless life, died on the cross to pay the penalty for all of our sins for all of time, even the sins that we have committed even before we came into this room tonight, died for those sins so that we might be able to be restored back into a right relationship with God. That Jesus cares deeply about us. God cares deeply about us. In fact, when we see John three sixteen, what does it say? God so loved the world. God so loved the world so much that he sent his only son to be able to rescue us from our sin. Or it says in Romans 8.32, it says how that God did not even spare his own son in order to save us. So how much more will he graciously give us all that we need to live for him? And that's just to start our father in heaven. The next part is, hallowed be your name. So after Jesus acknowledges that our God is our father, our heavenly father, he cares about us, he's in heaven, he's all-powerful, he says, okay, hallowed be your name. So just hallowed is like a nice fancy word. What that means, it means to be sanctified or to be dedicated to God so we say okay hallowed be your name let me be dedicated to your name let it be dedicated because you are set apart you are holy lord and you have set us apart if we are in christ so we want to pursue you we want to be dedicated to your name because you're the one is the one that's imprinted on our hearts as your followers in fact it even says in first peter 1 6 how you shall be holy just as your heavenly father is holy so we acknowledge that god is our father we acknowledge that he's above everything that he cares about Yet yeah, that means it also shows that we need him. We need him and we have a desire to make his name known. We are to be fully dedicated to God. We are to place God first in everything because he is first in everything. He created everything and he saved us that Christ might be preeminent in everything that we do. In fact, here's just one simple way that, that I thought of we can, we can test, okay, if we are truly placing God first. I want you to think about this. Let's say just this morning itself. When you woke up this morning, what was the very first thing that you did? You don't have to answer out loud, but I just want you to think, what is the very first thing you did? I'm sure many of you were just like me because I'm guilty of this too. Is that the first thing you did is that you checked your phone. Not just for snooze, not for snooze, but check your phone, whatever the case is. It could be social media, it could be YouTube, whatever you want to name it. You checked your phone just to see what's going on. Did I have any texts that I missed last night? Do I have any notifications that I need to check on? Do I have anything I need to check up on or update or whatever else? Or maybe you did something else. Did you, did you go and do something else before you talked to God first? The first thing you did this morning, the first thing when you woke up, was your first thought and your first action. Okay, I need to pray and talk to God first thing when I open up my eyes. Are we quick to check our phone? Or are we quick to check in with God? Or are we quick to see what other people are saying on social media? Or are we quick to see what God has to say to us? Because I am just as guilty of this. of checking my phone. Next, you know, I'm down a long rabbit hole of watching the most random videos, seeing the most random posts, and next, you know, the time is gone. I'm saying, what, what am I doing with my morning? That, that's just one way we know how we're placing God first in our lives. So we see our Father in heaven, how would how be your name? Let us be dedicated to his name as his followers. Okay, how are we to be dedicated as followers? How are we to show that? Then he shows it in the next verse, in verse 10, your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So now he's pointing to this. So part of this whole, your kingdom come, your will be done. Part of it was like, the fancy word is eschatological, basically meaning like the end of times when the end of history wraps up. So part of it's saying, like, would your kingdom come and consummate and finish everything up and right every wrong and just your kingdom be fully established. So part of it has that in mind, but part of it even right now is when Jesus came onto the scene, when Jesus stepped onto earth, then the kingdom was already coming. The kingdom is slowly being progressed and advanced from that moment he stepped onto earth. And it's advancing even right now to this very day. In fact, that's what Jesus was saying in Matthew 4:17. Right before he started this whole Sermon on the Mount, he said, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. That the kingdom is already being advanced right now. And so here's what we are to see. We are to advance God's kingdom. So if it says, your kingdom come, That means we recognize, okay, our God, our Father, who is in heaven, we are fully dedicated to your name. So because we are fully dedicated to your name, we're saying, your kingdom come. Meaning, okay, let us advance your kingdom. Let us advance your kingdom. We are to be ambassadors for Christ, as Paul talked about in 2 Corinthians. That we are now a new creation. That we've now been reconciled back to God. if we've been reconciled to God, God now also says, you've also been given the ministry of reconciliation. So not only is it, okay, you are saved, okay, I'll see you in heaven. That's not what Jesus is saying. Jesus is saying, okay, now that you have been saved, you are not to go out and tell other people about how they can be saved as well. That we are to advance the gospel. We're to advance the kingdom of God, which means that we cannot be advancing our own kingdom. We are advancing the agenda of god not our own agenda so let me ask you whose kingdom are you advancing in your life right now are you advancing your own personal kingdom wanting things to be conformed into your image into your liking or are you advancing god's kingdom where you want things to be conformed into his image and see him glorified and honored in everything that we think say and do and what others think say and do are we focused on promoting ourselves more or christ more which one are we more focused on So if we are to advance God's kingdom, then we see that in the next phrase of that, how we are to do that. Your kingdom come, and then your will be done. So that means if God's kingdom is to come, our personal kingdom must be overthrown. We are to step off of the throne of our hearts, of our lives. We are to remove the steering wheel from our own hands and give it over to God. Which means if his kingdom is to come, that means his will must be done. Which means we see this next truth, our will must submit to God's will. Our will must submit to God's will. In fact, this same phrasing we see, your will be done. It's the same phrase that we see when Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane and he was pleading to God. He was about to go die on the cross to pay the penalty for all of our sins. He's about to take on the weight of the entire world's sins and the full wrath of God in order to redeem us back to him. And he is pleading to God, God, would you, if you can take this cup from me, if you can remove this from me, if there's any other way we can do this, would you, would you please? But then he says, but in the end, Lord, not my will, but your will be done. If this is the only way, this is the only thing we can do, if this is your will, then let it be done. Let it be done. We are to have that same type of mentality. We are to have that, that same type of commitment. That we are to fully submit our lives to him. That even if things become uncomfortable, even if things go awry, or even if things, it's just everything within us does not want to do that. That we say, okay, no, Lord, not, not my will, but your will be done. Because again, that goes against everything within our nature. Our natural desires, we want to be first and we want to rule over these things. So we need the supernatural strength of God to help us with that. And the beautiful thing is, if we are a follower of Christ, we are following His example. And as we've just seen, Christ did this. Christ said, not my will, but your will be done. And so Christ gives us the strength in order to be able to submit our will to God every single day. Because here's the thing. We, we cannot try to have our will be done and the Lord's will be done at the same time. In fact, it even says in Matthew 6, 24, it says, You cannot serve two masters. You cannot try to live a double life with your Christianity. You cannot try to say, okay, I'll live for Christ on Sunday and Wednesday, but then the rest of the week is mine. You cannot say, okay, I'll flip a switch when, when the time is right, when I feel like it, because eventually it says, because the two will eventually, you'll either love one or hate the other. Eventually they'll collide on one another. We can't, we can't say, okay, I'm going to give Christ Sunday, and I'm going to give me the rest of the week. Because we'll eventually love the one and hate the other. But if we're truly placing God first, if we're truly doing this, if we're placing God first in everything, recognize that He is our Father and He cares about us and He knows what's best for us and that we're fully dedicated to His name, that we want to advance His kingdom more and we are submitting our will to Him, then in the process, we'll conform more into the image of Christ. We'll conform more into the image of Christ. But then what we'll see next, in the next couple verses, is the next truth we're to have is that we're to fully rely on God. So we're to fully rely on God. So look at what it says in verses 11 through 13. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. So again, let's go through this phrase by phrase so we can fully understand what Jesus is saying. So the first one, give us this day our daily bread. So right from the start, we see that we are to fully rely on God physically. That We're to fully rely on God physically. Okay, that's what it says, give us this day our daily bread. Jesus is not saying, okay, pray for tomorrow's bread. Pray for next week's bread. Give us the bread today for, let's say, tomorrow's worries. They said, just give us what we need today. It's just like when the Israelites were in the wilderness and they had manna from heaven, they said, take just enough for what you need today. That it's the same mentality. We have just enough we need for today. Because here's the thing. We are to look to him daily for these things. We're to look to him daily for these needs so he can refuel us every single day for us to fully rely on him. In fact, it even says just a little later in Matthew 6, 33-34, some will look at in a couple of weeks, it says, Seek first the kingdom of God. So seek first, place God first in everything, and all these things will be added to you. Don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow already has enough trouble. A lot of us know we're wasting energy today on tomorrow's worries. We're wasting the strength that we have today on something that's maybe a week from now that we're worrying about. We are to fully rely on God just for today, and He will give us just what we need enough for today. So let me ask you this. Are you wasting today's bread, today's energy, on tomorrow's worries? Are you using the bread that God gave you today in order to become more dedicated to Him, more, to advance His kingdom more, and to submit our will even more to Him, to be able to glorify Him? So we see that we need God to just physically provide for our needs because we get tired, don't we? A lot of us are going to go home and we are going to go to sleep. Some of you might only have a couple hours. Some of you might have several hours. It's up to you, but but we need sleep. That is when we we show, God, we need you. We need rest. We We physically need you to provide for us. We need you to provide the strength to even open up our eyes the next morning, to be able to open up our ears, to hear things, to open up our minds, to understand things. And he gives us all that we need enough for today. So He says, okay, give us as they are daily bread. And then he continues on in verse 12, and forgive us our debts. Forgive us our debts. So we see the next thing is we must fully rely on God spiritually. We must fully rely on God spiritually. So it says forgive us our debts so what forgive means it means to stop blaming or taking an offense into an account and debts basically what debts means it means a sin that incurred uh, debt, or sorry debt with or injury against god so we're saying is god would you forgive us of all the sins that we have accumulated against you so all the times we have sinned against you even today would you forgive me of all of those sins why? Because we are fallen, sinful human beings. It's, it's not easy following Jesus. There's some days it's tough, it's difficult. Again, we are fallen, sinful human beings that live in a fallen, sinful world. And so we daily need Christ. There's times where we slip up, we, we, we fall, and we need Christ to help us daily to pursue Him. And so we're saying, God, would you forgive me of just, of my sins I've even committed this morning? And the beautiful thing is, yes, we may have incurred a great debt against God, but we see in Colossians 2, 12 through 15, it says, okay, we incurred this impossible debt before God. We had all these legal ramifications against God, and Jesus wiped all of those out, paid our record of debt in full, moved all of the legal obligations to the side by nailing it to the cross. That on the cross, Jesus paid our record of debt in full. No matter how great you feel like your sin is, Jesus already paid the tab. No matter how great the bill is, Jesus already paid it in full not just for the moment that we were forgiven and brought back into a right relationship with God, but even from then on, the times that we will fall, the times that we will fail, the times that we will fall into temptation. We say, God, would you forgive me and bring me back to Christ? And he is faithful to do that. And again, this, is, this, not, this forgiveness is not meaning for us to go, well, if God's going to forgive me of everything, then I'll just keep living my own life how I best see fit, and then Jesus will forgive me, right? And, and Paul says in Romans 6, 2, no, absolutely not, by, by no means. That doesn't mean that we're to keep sinning so that grace may continue to produce even more. It says we're to conform ourselves to Christ because we see how Christ, the price, the price that Christ paid to redeem us. It should cause us to say, I, I hate my sin. That... that, that because of my sin, that's why Christ had to go die. And so we see that it should open up our eyes and say, I I don't want that anymore. I don't want to live for that anymore. So Christ, would you forgive me of this? And the beautiful thing is God fully forgives you of your sins. That is the beauty of the gospel. We cannot do it on our own power. It is only by the grace of God that we are forgiven of our sins. I'm here to encourage you, even tonight, maybe there are sins that maybe you feel like there is just this record of debt on your shoulders, this weight of the world on your shoulders, that you feel like there's no way God could truly forgive me. And I'm here to tell you that, that God can absolutely forgive you. I mean, we just saying, about what a beautiful name it is. You have no rival. You have no equal. That, that is a powerful name that has overcome sin and death in the grave. If our sin was too great for Christ, he would still be lying dead in the grave. So he can absolutely forgive you. So, Lord, would you forgive us of our debts? And then next, would you help us forgive our debtors? So it says next, and we, as we also have forgiven our debtors. So by the grace of God, we are forgiven of our sins. And by the grace of God, we are able to forgive others. Because here's the thing, because we have experienced the greatest forgiveness, we are to also show that forgiveness to others. We are to show that forgiveness to others because we have experienced the greatest amount of forgiveness we could imagine. So let me kind of give you a scenario to think about. Imagine, imagine that someone had incurred a debt of $5 million. They had a debt of $5 million against a millionaire. Let's just say that. They've incurred a debt of $5 million. And that millionaire said, you know what? I'm going to wipe your slate clean. I'm going to fully forgive you of that five million dollars and let's say that person that was forgiven of the five million dollars then turns right around and holds someone else accountable because that person only owes them five dollars five dollars Yet this person was just forgiven a $5 million. You would think that this person who was just forgiven a $5 million would, would be so overwhelmed that it couldn't help but lead to saying, you know what? It's okay for that $5. Don't, don't even worry about it. Like, it, it's forgiven. Don't, don't, even, don't, even, don't even think about it. But here's the thing, is that is what we are to do as followers of Christ, he so as we have been forgiven in Christ, we are to show that same forgiveness to those that have sinned against us. Now I'm not saying those emotions aren't, I'm not saying those emotions aren't valid. Those emotions are absolutely valid. Those experiences you had where someone sinned against you might absolutely be sinful. We're supposed to give it over to God and surrender it to Him. So if we are to be forgiven of our sins and forgive others of their sins, it says next in verse 12 or verse 13, and lead us not into temptation. So not only does the grace of God help forgive our sins, we're able to forgive others, but we're able to avoid putting ourselves into situations where we'll be tempted to sin again. So that's what we're to do. We must avoid situations that tempt us. We must avoid situations that tempt us. We must pray that God would not lead us into these things, but instead, by His grace, lead us away from those things. Lead us more into following Christ better. We should be just like what the psalmist said in Psalm 139 where it says, God, would you, would you just watch my heart? Would you test my heart and find that there's no evil way in me? But not only that, would you lead me in the way everlasting? Would you lead me in the true way? Would you lead me in the proper way of what, how Christ is leading us? We are to avoid ourselves because if we've been forgiven of our sins, we no longer if we hate our sin and no longer want to do that, then it should lead us to not putting ourselves into different situations where we'll be tempted to go back to those same sins that we were forgiven from. So let me ask you this. Are you putting yourselves into situations where you are tempted to return back to those same sins that you were forgiven from? Is there certain movies that you are watching? Is there certain music that you're listening to? Is is there certain people that you are hanging around? Certain areas that you are going to? Certain websites that you are clicking on? that you know you shouldn't be going to, and you know that the beautiful grace of God has saved you from, are you putting yourselves in those situations? That we are to flee from all of that. We are to run from all of that. We are to cling to Christ, because we see that He is better than these. By His grace, He'll help us lead us out of this. Here's the thing, okay? We are to avoid temptation, but what about those situations where we fall back into those temptations? We're in that situation. Well, let's look at what it says next in verse 13, but deliver us from evil. Deliver us from evil. If we find ourselves in those situations, we must pray that God would deliver us out of that situation. And here are some beautiful verses that we can cling to that help us with this. In 1 Corinthians 10, 13, it says, no temptation is too great that will overtake you and God will provide a way out and give us the grace to get out of it. Or 2 Thessalonians 3.3, 3, but the Lord is faithful. He will establish you and guard you against the evil one. Or 2 Timothy 4.18, this is Paul's last letter that he's ever written. He's writing to a young Timothy and he ends this book on this note. The Lord will rescue me from every evil deed and bring me safely into his heavenly kingdom. God is faithful to deliver us from the evil one. But even at times we fall and fail and we have seen it in this passage that he is also able to forgive us of our sins. That's where we go back to, okay, would you forgive us of our debts? And would we forgive others of their debts too? That we see that that Christ is faithful to forgive us of our sins as well, even at times that we fall back into those temptations. That he's not crossing his arms saying, I can't believe you've done this. But he's saying, no, just come, welcome back home. Welcome back home and let me help you walk again according to Christ. So we see that we're to place God first in everything. We're see that we are to fully rely on God for everything, so we need Him every step of the way. And if we live out these two truths, if we cling to these, then we'll live out this last truth. Live out our faith in God. So if we are to conform more into the image of Christ through prayer, then we're to place God first in everything. We're to fully rely on God in everything. And when we do that, then we will be able to live out our faith in God. We'll be able to live out our faith in God. So look what it says in the last two verses in 14 and 15. For if you forgive others of their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Now something I want us to understand from the very beginning, this is not saying that, okay, if we are not forgiving others, then that means God will not forgive us. That is not saying, okay, God's going to hold this over our heads because we're holding something else over other people's heads. No, it's talking about how, because we've seen that God forgives us. But what we're seeing is that forgiveness is an outward expression of our faith in God. Forgiveness is an outward expression of our faith in God. For you see, when we are forgiving others, we are showing that we have placed God first in everything. That we're not going to seek our own vengeance, but we're going to give it over to God and allow Him to handle it. Because we even saw earlier that we are to not let our anger control us, but we're to submit our anger to God. And even if that justice, even if we're forgiving those people, and they have wrongly sinned against us, and even if we never see justice for that, until Christ comes and establishes the new heaven and the new earth, he will give us the grace to cling to that until then. Because what I want us to understand about forgiveness is it's, forgiveness is not holding something over someone's head. Forgiveness is not clinging on to something and holding something over someone's head. It's not clinging to those emotions. It's not clinging to that thought. A simple way we could put it is to forgive is to let go and to forget the offense. So we're saying we forgive someone. Someone maybe has sinned against us. They have wronged us. We're saying not only do I let, not only do I fully let go of this and I no longer hold it over your head, but I'm also not going to reminisce on it. I'm not going to think back to it. I'm not going to cling to this. I'm not going to hold on to these bitter emotions that hold to it. I'm not going to keep that in the back of my head and remember the next time you do something. We say we fully forgive someone. We're saying, you know, not only do I release this offense and I'm not going to bring it back up, but it's been washed from my mind. I'm not going to hold it in the back of my mind. I'm going to fully let it go and give it over to God and forget about this. Clean slate. We cannot say that we have forgiven someone but still hold on to those bitter emotions and thoughts about that person. If we, if we are doing that, then we're not truly showing the forgiveness that we have been expressed. That we are the ones that have been forgiven of a debt of five million dollars, but if we're not willing to forgive someone of the five dollars that they have taken from us, then we've got to return back to God to help us with this. Again, not saying those emotions aren't valid. Not saying those experiences are bad. Not saying any of that. But we've got to submit all of that under the sovereignty of God. We've got to submit that fully to God. It means that we fully surrender over to God and allow God to work on our hearts and on the hearts of that person as well. So if that means we're to fully let go of this and surrender it over to God, let me ask you this. Is there someone who maybe you have forgiven them, but you are still holding on to that, that one bitter emotion because of that? Is there, is there still maybe someone that has, that has sinned against you and you say, yes, I've forgiven them, but, but in the back of your mind saying, I, I will never forget what that person did? Maybe, is there someone where you have forgiven that person, but you have not forgotten about what they did? Would you pray tonight that God would allow you to release grip of that situation and feeling and give it over to him? Because if we look back, would you say, our Father in heaven, would, would you just take this from me? Would you take this hurt and this pain and this bitterness I feel, and would you help me to do this? Would you help me place God first in this? Would you help me honor you in this, no matter what the situation may be? I'll, I'll close it out on, on this story. Is When it comes to, let's say, releasing something over and, and, for, and trying to forget what the person did, is, is I'll never forget, there was, there was a situation at the last church I came from where um, there was someone that committed a great sin. They committed a great sin. And ultimately, I feel like it led to my younger brother walking away from the faith. This same person that, that invested so much into their life, that meant so much to this person, and because of this great sin... Led to this person led to I believe my younger brother falling away from the faith and still living back in his old way of life even even moving farther than that uh, I'll be honest there's still times where, where I will see this person pop up on social media and there, there's emotions that, that pop up inside me that, that make me angry or like I, I will never I will never forget what that person did because it hurt this person hurt so many other people and it just it, it led to just what I believe was just my younger brother running away. And that was a tough thing. God had to work on my heart saying, yeah, you may say you've forgiven this person, you may say that in theory, but have you fully let go? Have you fully forgot what that person did? And that's tough because I wanted to grip onto it so tightly and not let go and say, but no, God, you don't understand. Like, look what this person has done. God is saying, I know. I, I get it. just... You need to hand it over to me and forget it and let me handle it ultimately because we don't battle against flesh and blood. We don't battle against other people. We battle against the spiritual realm and the truth of that. We cannot advance God's kingdom if I'm desiring to advance my kingdom, let's say through holding on to anger towards a person. I'm not conforming myself more into the image of God if I'm not submitting my will to his and allowing God to work on my life. I need the daily grace of God to forgive me of sins that I've committed because I know I am just as sinful as that person. and need the grace of God just as much as that person. That is what I'm in need of. So let me ask you this as we close this out. I just want you to think about this overall. Are you daily conforming yourself into the image of Christ that God is calling you to? Are you daily conforming yourself into the image of Christ that God is calling you to? And to follow that, I want you to think about these three questions. Are you placing God first in everything? Are you fully relying on God to daily provide for everything that you need? And are you daily living out your faith? We're going to pray every day, have this open line of communication with God, that we're fully surrendering everything over to Him, saying that you are better than all of this. Our Father in heaven, you are better than all of this, and I need your help every single day to follow you better, to become more kingdom-minded. That if we're to conform more into the image of Christ, we're to place God first in everything that we do. That we're to fully rely on God for all of our needs, physically and spiritually. And as we do that, we'll be able to live out our faith. And as we live out our faith, we will conform more into the image of Christ. We'll be able to be more kingdom-minded and continue to make Christ's name known. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, We are just so thankful for you. We're thankful that you care about every single detail of our life. We're thankful that that you cared about us so much. You sent Christ to die in order to save us from our sins and forgive us of all of our sins for all of time that you knew. All of our sins we would commit, past, present, future, before Christ stepped down. And he said, I will still take on their sins. So because that, since Christ was fully committed to saving us back to you, would you help us, by your grace, be fully committed to Christ, to make His name known? Would you help us see our daily need for Christ to cling to the cross on a daily basis, to deny ourselves and pick up our cross and follow Him, not just on Sundays, not just on Wednesdays, but every single day? And would you help us be able to live out our faith, Regardless of how awkward it may be or difficult it may be or whatever situation it may be, would you help us live out our faith and say, not my will, but your will be done? Would you help us forgive those who have wronged us? Would you help us be a light for Christ in this dark world? It's only by your grace we're able to do any of this. It's only by Christ we're able to do any of this. So Would you help us follow his example better and make his name known? And it's in Christ's holy, perfect, precious name we pray. Amen.